Hang on, Charlotte. I'll get a render. I apologise if you came tonight to hear a real preacher. You'll just have to do with me. Is that all right? Good. I hope so. All right, AJ, can we put that first one up for us? All right, in the, Dan- in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verse 16, this is about Shadrach, Meshach, and Aben, him, Aben, and he go, get out go, Migogul. This is Kim, Kim, yeah, Kim Jing Yong Il. No, this is King Nebuchadnezzar. I have to uh, excuse my pronunciation. So he's built this big image and he wants everybody to bow down. When the music starts playing, he wants them to bow down. So King Nebuchadnezzar, he's already had a run in with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and says, You must do it. Otherwise, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. So this is their reply. They say, Kim, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. I'll see if this works. In this matter, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. So then I want to talk about what does hope say. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this privilege of coming to church tonight and hearing your word. Ultimately, we have our hope in you, but we want to understand what your hope is so that we can be or we can take your hope out into this this community which is lacking hope. We pray this in the name of Jesus. So I talk to you about what does hope say? Does hope say, well, I hope what you know what you're doing, Pastor James. Don't you know Gladstone's in a recession? The island is finished up or once people are moving out of town and you're going to extend this building. Is that what hope says? Does hope say, I'm not going to put my tithe in. I'm going to go down to the next news agency and I'm going to hope I win lotto. Is that what it says? It says, oh, I'm feeling really sick today. I hope I die. Is that what hope says? No, that's what we've twisted the word hope into. It's like a little wish. That's not what the Bible says. And why am I talking about hope? Well, two reasons. One, because Ben Natoko was here and he's, he was talking in, in his message and he says, God said to him, he said, you're really good at faith, Ben, but you are not so good at hope. And who knows when God says to someone like Ben Natoko, you're not very good at something, my ears pricked up and went, oh, Ben's not very good at that. Maybe I'm not very good at that either. And the other reason is, a couple of weeks ago, a young guy that used to work for me committed suicide. And the only reason I can think of that is because he's lost all hope to think that to end his life is a better situation than what he's currently going through. And we as a church need to be carriers of hope. So what is the difference between hope and faith? Well, it's not too much, but there is an important distinction. So faith is a confident trust based on God's promise as is understood by his word. So he's got the Bible. It's written in the Bible. God said it. We trust in that. That's faith. Hope is very similar, but it primarily works in the future. 
And because of that, there's an element of waiting or patiently looking forward to a, a positive outcome. So faith is all bound up with action, doing something. Faith and works go together. Hope is about waiting, is about patience, about expectation. So for me, that says to me, hope is like a seed. So faith is the doing part, but hope is like the trigger. It's like the seed. And what does hope lead to? So I've got some scriptures here. Don't need to go to them. I'm just going to read these ones out, EJ. So in Romans 12, 12, it says, be joyful in hope. So hope and joy are connected. In 2 Corinthians 3, 12, it says, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. So hope and boldness are connected. In Colossians 1, 4 and 5, it says, Let faith and love that spring up from hope that is stored up for you in heaven. So faith and love. Hope is the seed for those too. And hope also leads to comfort. It says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 8, that we are to encourage one another in the knowledge of the resurrection. So there you go. Hope brings comfort. Hope also stimulates good works. So Paul exhorts the readers of Lord's work to do abundantly good, since your labour is not in vain. I read the whole scripture, but it's quite long. So here we go. We've got hope. Hope is the seed for joy. Hope is the seed for boldness. Hope is the seed for faith and love, for comfort. For good works. That's pretty important, isn't it? That's a trigger for all those things. So if we go back to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, what does hope say? Hope says that our God is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. But if he doesn't, we're still not going to do what you want us to do because that's not part of God's word. So what does hope say? Hope doesn't say, oh, well, I hope so. I hope that comes to pass. That's not what hope is. Hope is a confident expectation. So I'm going to go through three things to help you. Oh, no, I've got some examples here. Who likes examples? I nearly skipped over some things. So we've done Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. So I believe even Jesus hoped. Yeah? So it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So to me, that speaks of hope. That wasn't about what he was doing right then and there. That was about hope. That was about expectation. That was about what was to come. That was about what God was going to do with all of us. 2,000 years, 2,100 years later. 2,200 years later. That wasn't about 0 AD, 33 AD, whenever it was. That's about way, way, way in the future. So Jesus hoped as he's going to the cross. He hoped. He had a confident expectation in his God that God was going to do something, not necessarily right then and there, but all the way from then on into the future for all eternity. Something a little bit closer to home. 
My wife is great with hope. I've got two examples. First one, we're here today and Pastor James says, oh, Jeff's preaching tonight. And James says, Kate says, oh, yeah, you won't be phased by that. Later on this afternoon, I said, she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm preparing my message. She said, what for? So I'm preaching tonight. She said, oh, I thought he was having a joke. <laughs> it's like, oh. Thanks, sweetie. That's not the real example I want to give. So as you know, well, some of you would know, Kate's taken over the leading the chaplaincy for Gladstone, the local, what are they called it, local LCC, local chaplaincy committee. And this is about 12 months before the federal funding needs to be renewed. So the federal funding pays for about half of the cost for chaplaincy. And other people might get a little bit nervous about that. I don't know what it is about wise Pastor James. They don't, they don't seem to worry about that sort of stuff. So my wife says things like, chaplaincy was here before the federal funding and it'll be here after the federal funding because my God's a big God. Drops the mic and walks out. End of story. No more discussion. Like that, that, that's hope speaking. That's not looking at the circumstances going, oh, well, I have faith that God is. That is hope speaking. And that really encourages me, sweetie. Because <laughs> I'm meant to be the man of the house, all full of faith and whatever, and I'm going, well, you know. Well, we should have a really good chaplaincy ride, and yeah, we should. And my wife's out there going, you know what? If the government pulls the funding, we'll still be okay, because my God is bigger than that. I'm like, whew, you go for it. So, what is hope saying in your situation? Let's have a look at some things. All right, you've got to know your source. So, this is about. Some of the biblical things. So it's always been about God and his salvation. So in the Old Testament, it talks about hope in God, but that's really about deliverance because they were always at war with people. They were always getting overtaken by the Babylonians, the Hittites, the whatever. So they were really believing for God, for him to deliver them from the enemy. And it says in Isaiah 49 verse 23, So it's talking about Moses here. And it says, When the king is your foster father, when the queen is your nursemaid, when I put your enemies underneath your feet, then you will know that I am the Lord. And those that hope in me will not be disappointed. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Those that hope in God will not be disappointed. So as I said the early Israelites are all about hoping in God and deliver them from the enemy. Even around Jesus' time, they were still looking for Jesus to come and, and, and uh, deliver them from the Romans. But as our understanding, as the revelation increased, we get this understanding that it's, our hope is more about Jesus. So Paul is saying things like, For God wanted them to know, this is the Gentiles, that the riches and glory of Christ are for the Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you hope of sharing in his glory. So it's gone away from God just delivering us 
to this notion about Jesus saving us. And we have now have this eternal salvation, this deliverance from our consequences. And Christ now lives in us. And we have this hope of glory, this glorious eternity with heaven. And we go on a bit further. So it goes from being this sort of salvation of, of a physical preservation to this eternal preservation, to this notion about, hey, there's hopes in you. You need to do something with it. So it says in 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that is in you. So now our hope is on this transition from being God, our physical provider, to our spiritual provider. And now he's given us a purpose. We have this hope inside of us that we need to take out to a world that needs that hope. So now that we have this purpose, it's pretty hard to be hopeless when you have a purpose. So hope, we now have this surety of eternal salvation. We now have this purpose. That starts to put into perspective the situation that we're going through. So Pastor James was talking about Paul being in chains. He had this eternal perspective. So he could sit there in chains and write things like he did to the, the people and going, you know, be of good cheer. Don't give up. Have hope. In all things, be content. Because he could see that there was a future. His hope was in Christ. All right. So that's one about knowing your source, knowing where your hope is tied up in, what the Bible says about it. So know your God because he won't disappoint you. All right. So I'm going to move on to the next one. So the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and I think hope comes by hearing to some degree as well. But I want to talk to you about hope coming by seeing. So I want to look in Genesis 15 verse 5. This is about Abram. God's told Abram that he's going to be a father of many nations. And I suspect that Abram didn't believe him. In fact, the Bible says he didn't believe him. So <laughs> there you go. So this is about the second time that God tells him. So this time God takes him outside and says, look up to the sky and count the stars. Indeed, if you can, count them. And he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. So yes, faith can come by hearing. Hope, hope I think is tied up with seeing. So the Bible says without a vision of people perish. And I think what is really important for us is to get a mental image. Abram had a mental image now of what his descendants would look like. He looked up and he saw the stars and he went, wow, that's a lot. But now he's got a mental picture. There's something that he can tie his hope to. Because he's not now talking about something that's a little sort of ill-defined, it's a bit fuzzy. He can now see. There's another thing where he says, go out and have a look at the sand on the beach. He says, count them. He says, no, I can't. 
He said, that's what your descendants will be like. So he's reinforcing that, that vision. Abram's now got a very strong mental picture of what it looks like. And that starts to stir up his hope. And hope, as we said, is linked to faith. It's linked to action. This is why I think it's really important for the church to have things like prophecy, to have things like praise and worship, for us as as individuals to have the Holy Spirit inside of us because all these things build us up. They stir up our hope and faith. Things like prophecy. Who's ever had a prophecy over them? Might have been a situation where you really couldn't see what the answer looks like. Or what the future is. But you get a little word of prophecy and that starts to bring some clarity to it. And who knows, it's a heck of a lot easier once you've got a little bit of clarity to it to start hoping for that thing. While it's this crazy, big, scary thing with no objects, no real definition, it's really hard to try and get your mind around that. But if you can start to visualise, you can start to attach some hope to that so hope I believe comes from seeing if you're facing a situation and you need some hope why don't you start praying that God will give you a bit of an image a picture even if it's tied to something in scripture so that you can actually attach some hope to that start to stir up that hope for that situation All right, lastly, we're going to talk about putting out the negative. So I'm going to go to Numbers 13, verse 31. This is Caleb and Joshua. You might call them Brad Fittler and Boyd Cordner. And they said, go up to Queensland and win the state of origin. This is just for Jeffa because he's, a, he's one of our friends from New South Wales. And they said, no, we can't attack these people because they are stronger than we. I'll, I'll give it a rest now. <clears throat> so Caleb and Joshua, they've just been out to spy the land and they come back and all the people are excited because they brought back some big grapes. I'm talking like big grapes. Anyway, so Caleb said, yes, let's go. Let's go and take the land. But in verse 31 said, but the other men who had gone up with them said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we And they uh, spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. And all the peoples we saw there are of great size. We saw there with them the Nephilim there. So they're descendants of Anak. So apparently these guys were like nine and ten feet tall, just huge guys. A bit like the Queensland front row. We seem like grasshoppers in our own size. And we look the same to them. That sounds a pretty negative report, yeah? yeah? And all night, the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt. That's a pretty hopeful statement, isn't it? <laughs> if only we had died in Egypt. And let's bear in mind, these are people that saw crossing the Red Sea. They had a fire by night and a pillar by day to follow. 
They saw water come out of a rock. They saw birds deliver them manna and, and meat. They saw all of these things. And they get to the next little wrinkle in their journey and it goes, oh, if only we had died in Egypt. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? They hadn't even gone in there to attack them. They're, like, they're still over here. And they're not even planning to go in there. Like, oh, why are we going to fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? So what do they do? They said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. What is hope saying in this situation? There is no hope. There's Caleb and Joshua and they're like... Three guys have jumped on top of them, stopping them talking. And these guys are out going, oh, we should pick a leader and we should go back to Egypt. So at least some common sense prevailed. So Moses and Aaron fell down, face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through has explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. So here's a lesson. Sometimes we've got to put out the negativity. So we talked a little bit about vision. You've got to be really careful who you share your vision with because there are knockers everywhere. You might be in a knocker yourself once. I know I have. If we're just being real. So you need to keep your vision really close to your heart and you need to trust that with people who are going to be filled with hope as well. Because otherwise they're going to gather around you and go, we can't do that. The giants out there are too big. We are like grasshoppers to them. And they will devour us. Come, let us go back to our old ways. And we'll meet in a house. And we'll close the blinds so nobody can see what we're doing. What is hope saying in your situation? It's another story about Jesus. He was asked to go and raise this girl from the dead. And he got there and the, the parents had actually paid for mourners to come. So by the time Jesus gets there, there's all this, Woo! I don't mean to discredit any funeral processions, but you know, they'd asked Jesus to come and pray for this young girl. And he gets there and they said, what are you going to do, Jesus? She's already dead. Again, that's not really a hope-filled statement, is it? Here is Jesus. By that stage, there should have been lots of stories getting around about what Jesus could do. But yet, they looked at their situation. They looked at Jesus and said, you can't possibly do anything about this situation. So the Bible says Jesus had to put them out. He had to take that negativity and had to put it out and give some space for hope. And sometimes we've got to clear out a bit of negativity so that 
we give some space to hope. In your situation there, there's going to be no shortage of negativity. What there's going to be a shortage of is hope. So sometimes you've got to get out there and you've got to push that negativity back. Create some space for hope to get into that situation. I'll give you a little personal example. So some of you know me really well know that I'm deaf in this ear. I've been like that since I was about 18 months old. I've been in church ever since I grew up in church. My dad was a preacher. And I can tell you in the last, how many years is that? Yep. In the last 21 years. (laughs) See, I'm still a youth. Woo! In the last 40 years, I, I would be prayed for by hundreds of evangelists. Not just no-name evangelists. I'm talking about the guys like Dion Hockey. Talking about ones from over in the States. Talking about people who get on TV regularly. I've been prayed by pastors. I've been prayed for by deacons. Average Joe, cats, dogs, you name it. I've been prayed for by everybody. And you know what? I'm still not yet healed. And I can tell you a situation about, oh, it was only about a few months ago. Pastor James was standing up here and he said, oh, I just feel like there's a guy or somebody here and, and, you know, and they're deaf in one ear. And I'm sitting in the sound desk going, oh, this again. (laughs) So I can tell you right now, hope wasn't really rising in me. Because when you go through that for 40 long years, that tends to squash out some of your hope. We talked about at the start about hope being a trigger. What gets me up out of the sound desk? Walk down the front to get prayed for again. I'll tell you what hope says in my situation. I know my God's a healer and he will heal me. But if he doesn't, I know he still loves me. I know I still have a future in heaven. I know, I know. My God is a good God. That's what hope says in my situation. I want to encourage you tonight, whatever situation you're going through. You might have been going through for a little while. There might be heaps of negativity in it. You may not be able to see what the outcome is. But I can tell you that there is some hope. There is hope. And what is hope saying in your situation? Have you tried and tried and tried again? I encourage you, give hope another chance. Let hope be the trigger for faith, for action. Because hope is about patiently expecting a good outcome. I said that scripture in Isaiah. Those that hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. Now, you may not get exactly what you asked for, but I can tell you, you have, if you know Jesus and you've accepted him, you have an eternal future. That is way, way better than anything that we could have on this earth. And when you get there, you will not be disappointed. 
when your life ends here and all the bitterness and disappointment and stuff that you carry to that point, that will all melt away when you get to heaven and you see how glorious heaven is. I don't know how many nanoseconds it's going to take for you to forget earth, but I'm reckoning about three or four. For those who don't understand nanos, that's like a millionth, millionth, a billionth, a billionth of a second. So why don't we stand up? Kate, do you want to come and play something? Band, if you want to get up there too, that's fine. If you want to stay down here. So I just want to give you two opportunities. If you don't have... If you don't have that hope of Christ in you, if you don't know what I'm talking about when I say that Christ is in you and you have this hope of glory and you want to know more about that, I'd like to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Saviour and partake in that hope. And for those of you who are going through a difficult situation and you feel like your hope is either gone or it's fading fast. I'd like to get, ask you or give you the opportunity to come up and surround you with some people who can pray with you and restore a bit of your faith, a bit of your hope. So I'm just going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we know that you're a good God. We sing about it all the time. We read about it all the time. And we declare, like it says in Isaiah, that if we hope in you, we will not be disappointed. We thank you, Jesus Christ, that you hung on a cross for us and you effectively became our hope, our hope of salvation, a hope of a better future, a future in heaven with the Father, with you. Just want to sing that.